Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Continuing with previous messages. Why should you not marry when grace is at work? Paul said, the grace, it came to me, but thank God it was not in vain. It was not in vain. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, the grace of God must not be in vain in your life. When you receive Jesus, the grace of God has come to be with you. But you need to know, oh, you can have a lot of money in the bank and be hungry. Unless you know how to cash that money, you will be hungry. You will be surprised that you are hungry, but you will be hungry. You will complain, but you will still be hungry. Amen? Oh, yeah. You can even cry, but I tell you, you will still be hungry. Until you get up, walk boldly to the bank. No apologies. Slap your check on the counter. You can decide not to greet the teller. Tell you what, they will give you your money. Because it is yours. Amen. So Paul said, the grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Paul said, I work more than the rest of the apostles, and yet it is not my strength. The grace enabled me to work hard, to work hard, to do so much, to do so much. Paul said, I was the last of the apostles to be called. That, that's verse 8. He said, born out of due season. That means, Paul said, if it was our day, Paul was the kind of people who said they are late. He said they are late. I came to tell you, if you are in Christ, nothing is late. Because what it took somebody 10 years to do, you can have it in a day. He said, I was the one that was late, but grace took over my life. And I was not even qualified to be among them. But grace took over my life, and I did better than the rest. Oh, I see you doing better. I see you becoming the best. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I see you becoming the best. They won't call you average. They will call you the best. I said they will call you the best. And when they start calling you the best, you will look at yourself, and it will not be because you are nice. It will be because of grace. In the name of Jesus. It will not be because you are intelligent or smart, but it will be because of grace. It will not be because you come from a very rich family, but it will be because of grace. Somebody say amen to that. Verse 11. So therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, spoke so much about the grace of God. The grace of God is a package, it's a blessing. And the contents of the package must be understood. I spoke about five important contents of the grace package. The first one is that the grace of the Lord Jesus brings you into a new covenant with God. And this covenant is different from the old covenant. The old covenant says, if you do good, you get blessed. You do bad, you get cursed. And that covenant was made between God and the nation of Israel on Mount Sinai. When Jesus came, he brought a new covenant on Mount Calvary. No more on Mount Sinai. On Mount Sinai, there was judgment. There was God's anger and judgment against anybody who did wrong. On Mount Calvary, there was the love of God poured out to people who believe in Christ and become children of God. There was the love of God. The grace of God made us 
the beloved children of God. First John 3, 1, he said, what manner of love the Father has bestowed towards us that we should be called children of God. So this morning, in case you forgot what I said last week, God is crazily in love with you. He loves you so much, he can't stop thinking about you. He said, the very hairs of your head are numbered by him. Your name is written in his palm. When you open his hands, he sees your name. He thinks about you. He loves you. That is why he protects you. Listen, he protects you not because you are good. He protects you because he loves you. He blesses you not because you are good. He blesses you because he loves you. And the love that he, he has for you is not conditional. It is unconditional. It has nothing to do with your goodness. It has all to do with his decision to love you because you gave your life to Jesus. And this morning I want to say you don't need to beg God to heal you. He loves you so much, you don't need to beg him to heal you. You don't need to beg him to bless you. He loves you. Whatever you ask him, he will give it to you. Because he loves you. Amen? He will love you, and that love never ends. And because he loves us, he gave us the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to, first of all, Teach us the word of God so that we can understand the principles of God. Now, anybody who does not understand the principles of God is called an ignorant person. Now, what ignorance does is that it will make you suffer. And God loves you. He doesn't want you to suffer. So the purpose of the Holy Spirit, first of all, is to teach you the word so that you can know. Listen, life is designed to operate on principles. Listen, God loves you. But like I said last Sunday, if we close from church with all the love of God flowing over you, if you stand in the middle of the road in front of our church, an articulated truck is coming and you didn't move, it will kill you. God's love does not violate principles. Why are Christians not prospering? Because the principles that make Christians to prosper, either they don't know it or they know it but they are not practicing it. Why are Christian marriages not doing well? Because there are principles that make marriage to work. That you are a child of God does not mean that the marriage will work anyhow. No, it will not work anyhow. Turn to the tell me it will not work anyhow. So whatever you under the sound of my voice, nothing will work for you anyhow. Turn to your neighbor and tell him again, nothing will work anyhow. Tell him everything works by principle. Yeah, so whether you are in business, business works on principle. An unbeliever engaging right principles will have a better business than a believer who is engaging the wrong principles. Business operates on principles. If you are a salaried worker, there are principles that will ensure you to move forward. If you are a salaried worker, you can pray for favor before your boss a thousand times, and yet you have a bad character. You lie all the time. You are dishonest. You are lazy. You are the last to get to work, first to leave the workplace, never meet deadlines. How could you get favor before a boss when you are like that? So the Holy Spirit teaches you that being a child of God does not mean you should be lazy. Amen? Because lazy people will never prosper. Believe me, you will never become wealthy. So the Holy Spirit teaches you the principles of life. And he uses the scriptures to teach you. That is why you must have time. You know, anytime you take the Bible, the Bible is not a book full of commandments to make you Sad and uncomfortable. No. The Bible is a book full of principles which you cannot understand until the Holy Spirit begins to help you. That when you read, you see things in there that nobody else can see. 
You see answers to the questions you have been asking. Why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why? You see answers. And then you begin to see that people who have understanding to the principles of God, they become very wise people. They become intelligent people. They make smarter decisions than ed very educated people of their same age group. They make smarter decisions than old people. They become mature because they begin to understand life better. The other work of the Holy Spirit is to guide you. The Holy Spirit does not only teach you, he guides you. Romans 8, 14, he said, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. I want to say something very serious this morning. In the Old Testament, because the Holy Spirit was not given to every Christian, under the Old Testament, people of God needed an external guidance. So they needed the prophets to tell them, this is what to do, this is where to pass. Because they did not have the Holy Spirit with them. So the major source of guidance in the Old Testament was the prophets. In the New Testament, under the grace of God, Every believer has the Holy Spirit. The major source of guidance in the New Testament is not prophets. If you go to a prophet to give you guidance, you have totally missed it. And whatever guidance he gives you will, will never be the will of God. I've told people, I said, you can never do the right thing the wrong way. The Holy Spirit is the one God has given us in the New Testament to guide us as many as are led by the Spirit of God these are the sons of God. In John 16, verse 13, he said, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truths. He guides people. He guides people. He will guide you. Yeah. Now, the fourth content of the grace package is forgiveness of sins. And it started right on Mount Calvary. Can you imagine Jesus in that pain, looking at all these people who were happily whipping him, beating him. They were busy, happily, insulting him and doing that. Can you imagine Jesus lifted up his voice to heaven and said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Jesus looked at these people beating him like this and he said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. If people like that, like that could get God's forgiveness in the New Testament, then you and I, we, we, can, we, we deserve forgiveness. Don't you think so? Because we haven't done this much. Will you do that to Jesus? You love him, don't you? You love him, don't you? So forgiveness of sins. Now, what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? Forgiveness means exemption from punishment. Exemption from punishment. You know that when we say a law at all levels, national, institutional, anywhere you see law, there is an offense and then there is an appropriate punishment for people who commit that offense. That is law. So when we talk about a law, we are looking out for an offense that is mentioned and what punishment will be meted out to somebody who commits that offense. Are you following me? So when a judge sits on any case at court, he is only trying to find out whether the accused person is guilty of the offense or not. As for the law, it's already there. The judge is not now trying to go and invent a law. The law is there. Somebody is accused of a particular offense. The judge is trying to see, find out whether the accused person has committed the offense. If the person is found out to have committed the offense, he goes to look into what the law said that is the appropriate punishment. And he comes to read um, his verdict. Are you, are you following? So every offense has 
the appropriate punishment. Forgiveness means that an offender is found guilty, but he was not punished. Forgiveness of sins means that we were guilty of sin, but God decided to forgive us. He decided to do what? To forgive us. You know why he decided to forgive us? Because he punished somebody in our place. If God gets up and says, I forgive the world of their sins, he will not be a just God. He will not be a just God. And God is a just God. When we talk about justice, we are talking about fairness, we are talking about absence of any bias. We are talking about equality in principle to all people. We are talking about absence of any discrimination. So if God forgives any offense without the, a punishment being served for that offense, he will be unjust. So what God did was that he decided that he will forgive us, but he will punish somebody in our place. That is why Jesus went through what we just saw on the screen. It was God's punishment for our sins. The Bible said the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. So God allowed his only son to come and die as punishment for our sins because he himself did not commit any sin so that we can receive forgiveness. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that word. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. In the book of um, 2 Corinthians 5, Verse 21, the Bible said, For God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He became sin. When Jesus took our place on the cross, he carried our sins. And the Bible said, The Father withdrew his presence from him. And that was the first time and the only time the Father did that. Withdrew his presence from Christ. Because of sin was upon him. And Jesus cried out and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The father withdrew his presence from him because he was carrying the punishment of our sins. And do you know when the father withdrew his presence from Christ, do you know where his presence went? It came to us. His presence came to us. So today, God has made provision that because of the death of his son on the cross, Anytime you do anything wrong and you go to him and ask for forgiveness, he will forgive you. First John 1 John 1.9, he said, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful. He's a covenant keeper. That's what it means. Because in the, under the new covenant, he is under obligation to forgive me. He is faithful and what? Do you understand the word just there? The justice of God. He couldn't forgive an offense without appropriate punishment. But the truth is that, the good thing is that somebody has been punished in our place. So God will be unjust to hold your sin against you. That's, that's the meaning of that scripture. Yeah, he'll be unjust. Put him in court, he'll be guilty. Tell you, he'll be guilty. So he is faithful and just to forgive you. So I want to say today that give your life to Jesus and let go of guilt. Let go of what? Guilt. I don't care what you've done in the past. God can forgive you. There is nothing you have done that God cannot forgive you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Matthew 6 said, even when we are praying, Matthew 6, it says that even when we are praying, we should ask for forgiveness. 
verse 12. He said, and do what? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. One important content of grace package is forgiveness of sins. So today, I want to encourage you, don't let the devil continue to hold you bound in guilt. Of anything you have confessed, yeah, of anything you have confessed to the Father, amen. Yeah, very, very important. Very, very important. The other thing that Jesus taught about forgiveness is that because God has decided to forgive you, learn to also forgive people. Is it a good thing or the place is becoming quiet? Look at verse 14. It said, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So forgiveness is a seed you sow. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that. Forgiveness is a seed you sow. Say it one more time. Forgiveness is a seed. And forgive people means don't retaliate people. Refuse to retaliate. Naturally, we want to retaliate people when they hurt us. Forgiveness means withhold retaliation. That's all. Once you can hold yourself from retaliating, you are forgiving the person. The person has offended you, but you say, I will not retaliate. It may not always mean be close to the person. There are people you forgive and avoid because they will do it over and over and over. Hello? And let me see, there's a difference between avoid and hate. When you hate people, you have not forgiven them. You forgive means you show them love. If they need help, you give them. You show them your goodness. But based on discretion, on the circumstance of the offense, you decide to give a distance. Amen. Because there are certain things that happen that must be a lesson for you. I keep telling people all the time. I say, when somebody shows your character, don't change the person's character. You can't. You can only adjust yourself to the person's character. If somebody shows you that he can't be trusted with secrets, you can't hate him. Still love him, but don't tell him your secret. Because you tell him, he'll go and tell it again. And come back and say, I'm sorry. And when he say, I'm, you are, I'm sorry, what do you do? You have to forgive him. You have to forgive him. But after you forgive him, do you tell him the secret again? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So there are people you forgive and you have to be cautious about. But forgiveness is an instruction. It's a principle of life. Listen, when you refuse to forgive people, you become bitter. You become angry. Every time you are there, you are angry. And the truth is the person is busy enjoying himself somewhere and you are hurting within. Some of you are understand of my voice. You are still meditating on a 10 years ago offense. And he said, this man, I will show him one day. And that one day is not coming. And the person is doing well too in life. Hallelujah. And you are annoyed. Anytime you remember, your mood change, your feelings change. Every, you see, the person is now controlling your when you get happy and when you get sad. I think no bad person is worth that much of your attention. <laughs> if somebody offends not worth that much of your attention, you let go. The best way to forget our people who hurt you is forgive them. Once you refuse to forgive them, you can never forget them. They will be there in your heart. And the devil makes sure that the time that you should be happy, that's when he will remind you. So do you remember that day when, he, when that guy insulted you? And then suddenly, a very wonderful day, maybe it's your birthday, but suddenly the party has changed. You're angry. You're angry. And I realized that anger draws a lot of your energy. You can't just focus. Look, you can't even concentrate when you are angry over certain things, when you are thinking about certain things people have done. 
And listen, today, I, I know sometimes some offenses are very, very painful. I know there are people who are so hurt. It's not as easy as I'm talking. Some offenses you cannot forgive by yourself. You need to pray and ask God to help you. I was talking to somebody in Tamale when I went to preach there some time ago. This man, you know, the tribal war, his children were killed. I was preaching on forgiveness. He came to me after church. And he told me the story. He took time to convince me that this one should not be forgiven. So he narrated to me. I said, I said why come they didn't catch you? So, some grandfather, this thing, support. You understand, grandfather support. You know why tribal wars that are fought by great-great-grandfather are still being fought today? Because people can't say, let's, let's forgive. So bad people don't deserve a place in your heart. If you don't forgive, then they'll be in there in your heart. They'll remain there. Somebody say, I forgive. I forgive. Say it one more time. Say, I forgive. I forgive. Amen. Yeah. Oh, say it one more time. Say, I forgive. I forgive. So I spoke to that man. I spoke to that man and I said, what these people did is bad, but life must move on. And so I came to tell somebody here today, life must move on. Leave that man who hurt you 10 years ago. It's been 10 years now. Stop the funeral. Life must move on. Amen. Yeah, some of your classmates in elementary school, you still have record of their offenses. Hallelujah. Yeah. So I asked him, I want to pray with you so that you can receive the help of God to forgive. Listen, some offenses you need to pray to God to help you to forgive. And the interesting thing about offense is that the people you help most, they hurt you most. That's what makes it painful. Now, one more reason why you should forgive people. Because there is a law of life. It says what you sow, you reap. So me, I forgive you. Keep living. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. So when you offend me, I forgive you, but keep living. Whatever you did is between you and that law. Go and handle it. I'm, I'm out of it. That is why I don't hide behind forgiveness and be hurting people. Uh-huh, you know, oh, they say they are Christians. This small thing I did, I mean, they say they are Christians. They never forgive. But you did it deliberately. And tomorrow you do it again. And you do it over and over and over. Because you know that as a Christian, oh, I'll just come and say sorry, forgive. But listen, what you sow, you reap. What you sow, you reap. You do good, it will get back to you in the future. If you do bad, you're doing it for yourself. Amen. So forgive people. When you forgive people, you enjoy forgiveness from God. Listen, in the Old Testament, there was no forgiveness, but two people cared to do it. One of them was Joseph. He forgave his brothers. See how great he became. He became greater than the people he forgave. You will always be greater than the people you forgive. Did you hear what I said? Clap for Jesus if you believe that. Amen. Another person who forgave was David. King David was being chased by Saul in the bush. Saul gave a warrant over David. Wanted man. Anybody who catch him, there's a ransom. Kill him when you see him. David found King Saul in the bush sleeping. And his assistant said, thank God. Finally, our days in the bush can be over today. When we kill this man, we go back to city, we take over the throne, we, be, we rule. Listen, don't destroy anybody to ascend because somebody will destroy you too. No matter how bad you are, somebody can do that bad better than you. So choose to do good. Say amen to that. Yeah, somebody can do bad better than you. You say gossip, you can gossip, somebody can gossip more than you. So you keep gossiping about people. One of these days, you'll see where you'll hear your matter. David found Saul in the bush. And he told the servant, don't touch him. Leave him alone. I will not kill a king to become a king. He hates me, but I don't hate him. I forgive him. But take his sword and take his water jar so that we'll use it as evidence. 
to show him. Bible said, David went back, shouted. When King Saul woke up, he said, see your sword, see your, your jar. I could have killed you, but I will not. Because I want you to know that I am a better person than you. When you forgive people, you are trying to tell them you, a message. The message is that I am a better person than you. When you retaliate people, you are just like them. If somebody look at you and said, foolish. You say, you too foolish. The two of you all, you are foolish. <laughs> if somebody look at you and say, foolish, there's only one way to tell the person you are not foolish. Walk away. If you walk away, you are not foolish. He is foolish. The last content of the grace package is justification by faith, which I have spoken a lot about throughout this teaching. Amen. Justification means becoming a righteous person. You don't become righteous in Christ by your own self-effort. You become righteous by your faith in the finished work of Christ. And how do you do that? Believe in his finished work, that he died on the cross in your place. Amen. He died on the cross in your place. Believe that by his death on the cross, God made you righteous. Confess your belief and begin to act it. Confess your belief and begin to act it. Then you walk in love. Let's close with John 13, 34. John 13, 34. It says, a new commandment I give to you that you are. Is that all? Just as I have loved you. Verse 35. Verse 35. Read it. If you... One another. Amen. This is the commandment of the New Testament. Righteousness is by faith in the finished work of Christ made evidence by the way we understand his love for us so we can also love one another. You cannot love people until you understand God's love for you. That you love one another as I have loved you. Amen. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.